Hey icons, it's Jen Spiegel, mama four, serial entrepreneur, and your business and lifestyle BFF. I'm here to build a community of like-minded women who are willing to dust themselves off time and time again. We stand tall and brave and courageous in our journeys, and we really become focused and committed to showing and shining a light on our God-given gifts. Let's be iconic together. Okay, icons, we have a special guest today. She is a very good friend and also an elite client who I have just had the sheer pleasure of witnessing, supporting, partnering with, and we have had some really beautiful conversations. It was time that she came and shared that with you all on this podcast. So I'm introducing you to Chef Kim, also known as Kim Sutherland, and she is a beautiful mom of three gorgeous humans, and she is a mindful eating and meditation practitioner. That's a mouthful, but she deserves it because she is all about pairing mindfulness with eating and nutrition and these beautiful practices in your life. So I, I'm just so excited to have her. I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her. She's also a podcast host to all the F's. So go check that out. And you can find her at the chef Kim on her Instagram. So go creep her, go hang out with her. You're going to love her spirit and her soul right away. But I just want to give you a beautiful, warm welcome, Kim. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. It's so exciting to be here. You and I have had uh, so many incredible conversations and every one of them just gets better and better because uh, we're just so like-minded and, and tuned in to each other that I can, I'm so excited to be able to share even on a broader spectrum with guests as well. Mm-hmm. I am too. I We have really beautiful conversations for sure. And I think for both of us, it's just been an expansion of ourselves in each other's presence. Mm-hmm. And those of you who are listening to the podcast, you must go check out the YouTube channel and see Kim's beautiful mural she's painted behind her. You can't see it if you're like, you're listening, but on YouTube, you'll see it. It's the most gorgeous painting and such a beautiful representation of her and that left and right brain and her creativity. It's just, I don't know. She's just the the full deal friend. So hang out with Kim, but I would love for them to get to know you. I remember our first conversation back in January when you started to share with me some of your chef stories. And I just like, I got sore cheeks from smiling and giggling. And I think it would just be a great way for the audience to get to know you. So if you share with us that journey a little bit, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been in the kitchen essentially or in a management role for a little over 20 years now, which seems like it really was a lifetime. Um, and in that role, I've had an opportunity. I was very gifted. I've had an opportunity to do some absolutely incredible things. Uh, so I was part of a, uh, at a concert venue and I opened other venues. So I had a chance to do backstage catering for bands for over 10 years, get to de- dig deep into all of those juicy little details that they don't tell you about, or that there's all rumors about. Yeah. I know all the details. Like I really do. Um, <laughs> which is so much fun to, to know all of that. And, you know, uh, when I start telling stories about it, like I spent five days with Pearl Jam as their private chef. I went to, flew out to Winnipeg to um, look after Taylor Swift. Like I have had so many amazing opportunities to do like incredible things. It seems sometimes now that when I tell the stories myself, I'm like, wow, like, wow, I did that. That's so much fun that I got a chance to do that. You know, my kids got a chance to be uh, a large part of it as well. My daughter played hide and seek with Elmo in uh, in the building once. We got to go to How to Train Your Dragon, like you name it. And, and we did it all, essentially. So, yeah, all kinds of great stories and great 
um, moments to share and just like, just, you know, the biggest thing, because of course, everybody always asks, like, was there something that was really detailed about all of them? Like, are all the rumors really true? And I have to say, when we created a space, we created it as if they were coming home because they're on the road all the time. And we really wanted it to be um, somewhere they felt comfortable and were able to kind of let loose a little bit and kind of relax. So we would do all of our catering. I got everyone in the building to bring in their grandmother's old tablecloths. And we would put out the old tablecloths and we would take like random plates and we would serve the muffins still in the muffin tin and just really fun things like that, that uh, really allowed us to be set apart quite a bit. So Mm. you're just so creative in how you see things and bring a memory and experience to people. I think that is like one of the most beautiful gifts about you and something I actually want to dive into. But the fact that you would say, bring your grandma's tablecloths to create this sense of like home, community, relaxation. I can see how someone would walk into that with an expectation of something totally different and then feel like, wow, you know, in a world they must live in. I can only imagine Taylor Swift's world. And what that must feel like to be her, but then to come into a space that you've created and and gone above and beyond to make it an experience that she can enjoy and feel safe and looked after and cared for in must've meant the world to her. Well, and I think that truly is like, it was, it was fantastic. Like they, she was incredibly grateful and um, as they all were, of course, but I think one of the biggest um, differences in and how I try to spend most of my time these days is that it was really about how we can do things to serve someone else, how we can do to make them feel more comfortable. You know what? I, I was very comfortable. I am very comfortable in my role and where I was and, and to be able to allow someone else to share that kind of space is really to me, what my job was all about and what is what those little extra gifts are. So it wasn't necessarily a, it has to be done this way or the customer's right kind of thing, but it was more just about creating that space and being able for someone to be held in that space to really give them an opportunity to shine. Because if you, of course, we're going to talk about mindfulness and eating and all that, but if you can imagine being on the road for 300 days and you're going in having same meal over and over and over again, it doesn't really give you an opportunity to fuel that tank. You have to draw a whole lot to then get onto that stage. So if I'm setting things up in the morning and I really like to, like I thought about that as I would do it, I, I did everything so intentionally with the acts and the bands in mind or, or the roadies and the truck drivers and that knowing that the nourishment they were getting from this meal and the, and the love they were getting would just then catapult them in that, uh, that opportunity to be so amazing and fill their greatest space. So yeah. Mm-hmm. That's another thing I think I'd love to dive into is it's not just food for you. You're not a chef that thinks of like a savory sauce or put this with this and it'll taste good. You really, you describe it as coming to the altar. So maybe that's where we could open up some mindfulness eating conversation together, because I think people are already kind of picking up on this. It's not just create a plate of nice food, serve it. It looks great. It's an, it was from thought to conception to like walking out the door and rippling into the world. Hmm. Hmm. Well, and that's when you talked about um, the uh, the feeling of having like grandma's tablecloths. Well, that's also the feeling that I get or like to share from a chocolate chip cookie, which is my favorite thing to share. Um, and it's such a it's such a simple thing. And 
it, it's always entertaining as a chef when someone will say, because everybody asks, what's your favorite thing to make? And I will say, my favorite thing is chocolate chip cookies. And they're like, what do you mean chocolate chip cookies? Like you could have anything in the world and you want to make chocolate chip cookies. And I'll say to me is what I like to make could possibly be based heavily on my ego, but I want to know what you like to eat. And I want to know how you feel eating that. And that's where the concept of the whole thing and the altar in which um, the way in which I am in service in that, that is my gift to you to be able to have an emotion or a feeling or, um, and why chocolate chip cookies? Cause they, to me are truly like someone is giving you a hug. Like there's so many great memories of so many people's childhoods that are based around a chocolate chip cookie. And it's like having a hug from the inside. <laughs> so you have a chance to experience that moment. And just that, so food isn't just like what we're putting on the plate. It's how we're eating it. It's why we're eating it. It's it's everything we carry and our connections to so many of those moments. So being able to serve in that way and being able to, instead of just um, fill your stomach, being able to fill your memory and fill your love and fill all of those with that experience, that to me is like the complete package. And that's that's how I love to look at it in that way. Because that's how we would be looking at it in our homes in so many times. And, and there's, there's a big shift and opportunity for you to see it a different way than just food on a plate. Mm. I had the biggest download here too, about ego and what you're putting on the plate. I had never thought of that before, but I actually was um, close to a chef in my past life. And I remember him giving foie gras, but he made it in the form of a chicken wing. So it was like based in hot sauce and there's nothing more repulsing to me. And I love food. I'll eat anything. I'm just not a picky eater. I'll try things, but that is one thing on this earth that I have no desire to have burst in my mouth. Like, no. And I, I'm, I always was so curious of why did you choose to serve that to me? Cause that would not be something that I would ever be appealed to. And I'm not saying this was his thing. I'm just, I'm just thinking of chefs in general, those of us creating a meal, how much of it is about us ruffling our tail feathers? Like, look what I created yes. versus oh my goodness, I'm sitting down as a family tonight and I am going to put myself in a really beautiful state and create a beautiful meal that could be so simple, like a chocolate chip cookie. But at the same time, when somebody experiences that, it's so much more than a chocolate chip cookie. Yes. Yes, exactly. And the, it's an ego-based industry. Like we have the opportunity to make the most incredible thing someone's ever eaten. Right. With that carries a whole lot of weight for that. Um, but that that theory and that concept has really rippled down to everybody. It's the dad that's out at the barbecue. It's the mom who's trying to impress the people that are coming. And there is this sense of um, uh, glorification of whoever is that person in the kitchen. And if you're not in a space where you, and I, I always say that there are two kinds of chefs out there, those that cook for the good of their audience or those that cook for the good of themselves. And when you figured out which one you are, that's where your success lies. And you can see that, that the restaurants that are absolutely beautiful, yes, there are some very successful ones and they might have a good business, but it is so heavily ego-driven business where the other side is uh, nurtured and filled with love. And there are some great mom and pop restaurants out there where someone's been slugging it out and they have that dish that people just keep going back for because you can literally taste 
the love that's gone into it. Mm, and the tradition and the history. And it's like, I think I, I'm drawn to like Italian cooking. I just love it. And so I think of some of the Italian restaurants I've gone to that weren't necessarily pretty when you walked into them. They didn't have that wow factor, but yet, you know, um, mama would come out from behind the in the kitchen and come out and, and serve. She literally would have a pot of pasta and like serve it on your plate. Here, have more. And the servings were generous, but you every bite you could tell there was a story attached to this recipe or it came from some sort of tradition. And I totally agree. Those are the most precious, great meals that you keep wanting going back for. I do like a wow experience. I have to say that. I do like that too. I think, but what I would gravitate towards is like what you're talking about, that home-cooked, personalized, full of love. You, you know they care what went on that plate for you. Yes. And then when you put it in your mouth, you can taste it. Yes. Yeah. Which makes such a difference. And the, if you think about it, like the, the wow factor, of course, there's always a space for that. It's like going to the spa versus painting your nails at home. You're still going to paint your nails, but if you, when you get a chance to go to the spa, well, then you're going to take that whole experience in and that's the difference. So you go out to eat for the enjoyment of that, but the, uh, the average stuff. And, and it's also because what happens in those kitchens is so unattainable for so many people that it does seem unrealistic to, to be able, like, I couldn't even imagine putting myself in that kind of scenario for that's the thought process where as it's a lot easier to make what mama might be making. And you think it would be a lot easier to make what mama might be making kind of thing. So it's true. It's true. We were talking the other day. I'd love to bring this up actually, because it just feels like an appropriate time. We're talking about, people and their attachment to past or traumas or beliefs, like for example, filling a table full of dishes and having so much food. And that's what brings that person comfort. You've kind of alluded to that already. Mm -hmm. And these attachments we have, whether healthy or unhealthy to food and the act of sitting around a table and enjoying a meal together. Let's move into mindfulness, if you don't mind, and a little bit of that. What what would you have to say and what could we be maybe more conscientious about when it comes to those things that we're bringing from past into present? Well, and it's so, um, as much as we love to think that all of our memories and our our traditions are so wonderful around food because we're all together and we're gathering and everybody's laughing and there's wonderful stories and we're usually celebrating something. But on the flip side is there's a a lot of traumas and triggers and habits that get resulted in those because of the lack of um, feeling or emotion and you're feeling unworthy around it. There's judgment around it. There's resentment around it. There's a whole lot of things that we carry with us. And we really have to be aware from a kitchen standpoint or a cooking standpoint, what that might look like and where that's coming from. And I think it's really important. um, Like I always like to think like, Food for me is, it's the ultimate language. It is a connector to so many things in our life. It is the way we share love. It is the way we show ourselves love. It is the way um, other we can share it with other people. Like think about creating a beautiful plate and bringing it, drop it off at a new neighbor's house. Like that's such a tradition. But we have to, as we're thinking about those things, a lot of those, um, that mindfulness or lack of mindfulness around that has been a trigger for our overeating habits. We don't necessarily do things to with the most skilled thought behind when we all get together and everybody drinks as much and stuffs themselves as humanly possible. And then the next day people wake up feeling guilty or judged or like they shouldn't have done something. And it almost perpetuates part of a cycle. So it's really about knowing what your 
what, where you stand in all of that and being able to realize that um, some of those food habits you might have brought up aren't necessarily the healthiest. Maybe creating that great dish in the kitchen is you've put all this love you possibly can, but you're so worried and so stressed about it that you're worried about your family members judging you. Think about sometime you had to go to a potluck. And all of a sudden, well, I don't know, because so-and-so always brings this and so-and-so brings this and mine's not going to be good enough. And we attach all of those emotions to our food. And then it becomes part of that, whether or not we do it intentionally or not, it becomes part of it. And that's a story that we continue to carry with us. Oh, so good. Because as you're talking about this, I'm like, bing, bing, bing. I'm thinking of all the things in my life, in my home that are triggers and just things that I do habitually that aren't even necessary, but yet you do them because you've always done them yes. or you witnessed that. And so what are some things, cause you're really good at practices. If someone's thinking, okay, I'm not really sure where this is going, or I can't really resonate with this, or I don't know if I've ever really been this thoughtful around my food, what would be some cues or practices for them to start identifying triggers within their eating or cooking or the practice of? Well, and the first, one of the most important ones is your space in your kitchen. Like, what does your kitchen look like? Is it, does it bring you joy to be in the kitchen or have you got this, this repeat playlist that says, I don't really like cooking. I don't like my kitchen. My kitchen's not big enough. I don't have enough equipment. And you have a thousand reasons that are automatically that are stopping you before you even get into the kitchen. Um, So I live in a townhouse and I have a small kitchen here. I'm used to being in like million dollar kitchens. But I had been cooking out of this kitchen in my townhouse. And I thought for the first little while, I wasn't doing a lot in it. And then I realized it was because it didn't feel as comfortable as I wanted it to. So I took down some cupboard doors. I put up some great pictures. I made it look pretty because I really like I'm visually uh, creative. If I'm surrounded by pretty things, then I can be more creative in that space. So all of a sudden I realized I was like, wow, so it doesn't matter how big my kitchen is or how fancy my stove is. It matters on how much joy I'm getting from that actual area and the energy that's floating around that area is so important. So that would be one of the biggest ones is on what your, what your actual space is like. The other one is, is we, whether mothers, single people, married people, there's so much resentment carried around food. Oh yeah. Well, now I got to make another meal again. Oh yeah. Well, who's going to do the dishes? And we create these very elaborate stories. A lot of times when we walk into the kitchen to prepare something. And a lot of those times as we're doing that, we're actually putting that energy into the food we're creating. And it might not be the most delicious meal because can you imagine if all the chefs and kitchens were miserable all the time? You'd never go back to that restaurant because it's going to taste crappy coming out to you. And you could probably, now that you know that insider's tip, you could probably go back to restaurants and be like, oh yeah, I know that guy's really angry all the time. No wonder the burger is not that tasty. Um, but it has to do with what you feel like in that space and and really being open-minded to what that space might might, that kind of joy that it might bring. Like if you think about in your kitchen, because you're in your kitchen, you have a chance to nourish your body. You're having a chance to nourish your your soul, your mind. There's so much you get out of a meal. It's not just food that you're putting in your mouth. It is a creative process. It is a meditative process. There's so much joy and gratitude and appreciation that you can look at that plate with. And it's just a matter of um, changing your filters on your eyes, seeing it in a different way, shift up your perception. And it's no longer just a small kitchen space. 
could be the smallest kitchen space on the planet, but it is where you leave room for yourself to make magic and not to compare yourself in that space. Are you an entrepreneur about to launch a new business or a program or service, maybe a masterclass? How about a podcast? Or maybe you are about to launch a new product out into the world. Whatever it may be, I have developed for free a 14-day launch strategy that is built on 15 years of proven success with thousands upon thousands of entrepreneurs. It's created six-figure business launches, new and noteworthy for a podcast, the highest sales volume in a month for product-based businesses, thousands of people into master classes, and so on. The testimonials keep rolling in. It is a beautiful thing to witness because after 15 years of experience, I'm able to generate a strategy and a foundation for you to go out there and share effectively. We all know that the success of this launch is based on how well you promote it, generate attention and visibility and credibility, all these things that really matter. So people are excited for this launch as much as you are. Head over to jenspiegel.com. The 14 day launch strategy is sitting there for you completely free. And I'm really excited to guide you into this next creation you're bringing out into the world. One of the worst things we did was became so addictive to the Food Network. That's not reality. I'm going to tell you people, (laughs) that's not reality. That's not the way things happen in a kitchen uh, most often. And it's also not something to compare yourself or judge yourself to. Those people spend a lot of time creating those single dishes that then gets cut up. And for the magic television, there it is. But people try to attain that goal. So a lot of it is being aware of where you are and knowing that in that space is exactly where you're meant to be. And that's perfect exactly as it is. Stop trying to have a goal to get somewhere else or reach some other platform or, oh yeah, when my, one of the biggest things that I always speak to, um, when my kids are with their dad, I went through a phase where I didn't find myself as a single person in my household worthy of creating a dish for. I have all the tools. It's not hard for me, but it was the effort of finding that time and putting that joy into it. So I had to really dig deep and work on reminding myself that I am just as worthy of eating a delicious meal as everyone else I cook for. I am just as important and I need to make sure that I'm nourished in order to create that for other people. And just really recognizing that and reminding yourself of that and allowing yourself the grace to be in that and be there. And that just really accepting, you know what? Okay, maybe I am here by myself but I'm going to eat really well when I'm by myself. And now I almost, I've shifted that and I use it as an opportunity to create the things that I know my kids aren't going to eat. Cause even though I am a chef, my kids, there's still days they want popcorn for dinner and cereal on a regular basis. Like they don't eat all that fantastic. They will try lots of things, but it's not always a, a glowing recommendation either. So it really is an opportunity for me to enjoy the foods that I really like to eat and things that I really enjoy. Mm. The whole time I'm like, and I know my dad's listening, so I hope you heard that dad because <laughs> he often will say to me as a single person, he's like, I cook and I'll make a meal. And then I look at the kitchen and all the pots and pans I have to clean and everything I just did for myself goes away. I just, it takes the joy away because now I have to clean up too. So I think what you were just saying there and what it sounded like to me is uh, changing the lens into, I just really enjoyed that meal. And now I'm going to stand up and put a playlist on and do my dishes and just think about what I enjoyed about that. Let it like linger for a little bit longer. Is that what you do? Yes, absolutely. Well, and it's funny because uh, what I have learned not being directly in a kitchen for the past year, uh, I make a lot of dishes. 
Like I can make more dishes than you can imagine. And I don't have a dishwasher. So for the first, the longest time, I totally get exactly what your dad was thinking because it became a, oh, okay. But if I cook this, I'm going to have to do this afterwards. And then it very much became that shifting of that lens. So uh, afterwards I put on the music. I still have the taste of my delicious meal in my mouth and I make it almost, I had to learn to, um, and I encourage those turn the mundane into meditation, turn those mundane moments into a space of meditation. So then I stand there now at doing my dishes and it's nice and quiet. My belly is full. I am not wanting for anything. I am not needing for anything. And I'm just uh, make a point of being ultra, ultra focused on those moments that I'm there. And I'm here right now. I'm here doing these dishes because I have just created this wonderful meal for myself. Well, now I can take that fuel in that meal I just created and I can go for a longer walk. I can sleep better. I can feel better. I've just added all of that medicine into my body. So it's not just I'm creating a meal. The the ripple effect of all those things you are creating in that meal far outweighs the 10 minutes it's going to take to do the dishes. Oh, and that is, it's so good. My dad is right now nodding his head. He's going to call me soon. I can tell. But um, at the same time, it goes for anybody because I know for a lot of moms specifically, and I know for dads too, but I, I think it's majority moms being home over this last year with kids home more than normal. We're home more than normal. I know I can speak for myself. Cooking has become a chore. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to make another meal because it feels like one meal you clean up and you're moving into the next one, especially with multiple kids. They don't seem to eat all the same thing no. when they're hungry at the same time. Like, can we get this down pat? So what could somebody do myself included to bring more joy? you spoke a little bit about that, like thinking about the ripple effect and all that, but what could spark that to begin with? Like to actually spark someone to enter their kitchen space. They they've got it cleaned up, but be excited to make a meal again. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the planning of it, especially if you're in there and, and your kids are there as well. Parents, delegate your children. Children love being in the space. Now, I'm going to say this first. Parents, before you delegate your children, spend five minutes getting over yourself, knowing that it's going to be a mess. It's going to be messy. There's going to be things dropped. You know what? The gifts that they're learning and the gifts that they're getting and in return you will get having them in that space is so important. I guarantee if we went back 40, 50 years, there was very few parents that were concerned about a child dropping a tomato when the, a whole family is making tomato sauce for days and days and days. When a whole group of family is um, in the kitchen making pizza dough, making cabbage rolls uh, or empanadas, anything in the uh, Spanish. They're so family oriented in those moments. And it's about the joy of being in there that, yeah, of course, there's going to be food on the floor. Of course, it's going to be a little messy. Of course, your kids are not going to do it the exact way you want them to. I had adults who didn't do things the way I wanted them to in a kitchen. Your kids are not going to. It's a different filter that we all see it through. So that would be one of the biggest things to bring joy back in. And you know what? Maybe you baby step your way in. Maybe you just schedule it a couple times. But in doing so, you're creating such a healthy space for your children and their eating habits and their nutrition and how they're going to move forward in life. Because again, they're not always going to be in your house. 
they're going to go out and be on their own at some point. And if the habits you're teaching them right now are only that um, we need everything to be clean, we need everything to be organized, no, don't make a mess, then they're going to go on to their own kitchen later on in life. And they're not going to want to experiment and they're not going to want to try anything. They're going to use their microwave. They're going to use boxed food. They're never going to, they're never going to understand the beauty of that space as being a creative outlet for someone. And they're never going to understand that this is a space that is meant to create joy on a regular basis, not just special occasions, because they see it during special occasions. They see Christmas dinner, they see Easter, they see Passover, whatever it might be. And that's a celebration to them. It's being able to share that there's a celebration that can happen every single day in your kitchen. It doesn't just have to be four times a year. And that's one of the greatest gifts you can give them to carry on is being able to recognize that 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 food came from somewhere. You know what? Hey, you know what? Tonight, before we say grace, let's thank the farmer that grew all of these wonderful vegetables to be here on our table. Let's thank the grocery store workers who's going every day to collect all this stuff so we can have it on our table. There's such a a chain of incredible things that have had to happen to get that meal on your table. And I truly believe in this day, in in the fast forward hamster running wheel that we as parents have got ourselves on, and trust me, I spend a lot of time there, so I speak from experience, that we're doing a disservice to our family by not sharing those gifts. Like I had kids in culinary school would come in and say, uh, I'd say, Hey, do you guys know where this turnip came from? Yeah. The grocery store, Kim. I'm like, okay. But before it came from the grocery store, like someone legitimately grew it. You get that? But there's, there's such a, a divide in that. So being able to have those conversations and share those lessons. And I'm such, such, such an advocate for sharing stories. We've stopped to share stories as a human race. We don't tell stories anymore. We talk about our day and we talk about who's doing their homework and who has where to go and what sports we have to go to next. And and we compartmentalize all of it. So we're all over here. But there is a story about that first time you ever ate a Brussels sprout. There is a story about the time one of your family members accidentally dropped a whole pan of food when you were doing. There's so many beautiful stories that we carry that we're allowing to essentially die. The the stories no longer get carried on. And I think we're also doing a disservice by not carrying on those stories because there's a whole lot of things that I love to tell my kids about. And this kind of, this came to me when I was talking to my kids about something and I was like, wow, oh, I never told you guys that story. That was a a very important part of my life and my upbringing and, and how I got to be here sitting as your parent. And I've never let you in on any of that. You didn't know any part of that. And it was such a huge moment. So my kids were kind of like, wow, like we didn't have a clue about that. And then I realized that to my kids, I'm just this person that they see every day. They don't see where all the things that I did to get to here. They don't hear about the the first time I had a snowball thrown at me or I got in trouble with the principal or things like that, like things that actually shaped my life to get me here to be their parent or where my disciplining and respect and love is coming from that I try and instill on them. And there's got to be like a a starting point for all of it. And all of those stories can be shared in the kitchen while grating cheese, while mixing a recipe, while just even cracking eggs. You can share a story like that. And then they carry over into the dinner table. And I think those are really the gifts that we give our kids, especially around a kitchen. Mm. You were speaking to my soul. 
And I have a question because I, I know I'm not alone in this. So I have a follow-up question to this, but it's really interesting. We, you and I were speaking about this actually on our call just this week where making homemade pizza, we love pizza in this house. It's probably across the board, everybody's favorite food. And I love making pizza because every child can make their own flavor, their own. It's not, we're not arguing over what's going on top. However, I haven't enjoyed that experience because flour is all over the floor, all over the counter. There's cheese on the, like, it's just, it's just such a mess. And so I have, I just going to own it. I focus completely on, oh my gosh, we're going to be, it's going to be so messy. I don't have to clean all this up versus it makes me sad a little bit, but I'm just acknowledging it. Like how fun that moment is and that it's worth that cleanup because in the moment it's really just fun watching them experiment and try different things and great cheese and some put heavy sauce, some put light sauce and just being really curious around my kids versus, Oh, I guess there's more sauce on the counter. Uh, you know, this feeling of cleanup versus enjoyment. So I just have to say, thank you. Thank you for saying that today. I know what the follow-up question is though. Cause I know I'm not alone in this with all that said, I have some teenagers so if I were to say to my teenagers, hey, can you be my sous chefs today and chop up some stuff to help create this meal? I know what the response would be like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't feel like it because I've never really done that. I'll be honest. I haven't incorporated that. How do you do that in your home? How do you involve your kids and get them excited? Let me go back to what you had mentioned before about them having different sauces and stuff like that. <clears throat> Part of the beauty of that is, uh, and allowing them to experiment they're learning what they like and don't like. So one of the biggest pieces in that is not trying to control it because again, you, you, you're not going to fail. And if you do fail, what's wrong with failing at pizza making? Who cares? So I failed. Okay. I'll get another piece of dough and try again. There's, there's so, we worry so much about doing it right or wrong that we're not allowing for a lot of that exploration in that. And that's where that fun and creative part really needs to come in. Cause I guarantee if they made the pizza with too much sauce, too much, gosh, who knows, too much bacon, too much, whatever, they're going to know pretty quick when they go to eat it. And that lesson is going to be learned so much quicker by what they did than you telling them what they did. Wow. Um, so then to fast forward to this, one of the things I like to do is, uh, so when my kids and I are having a conversation in that, I don't say to them, hey, okay, so here's your list. You need to do this. You need to do this. I approach it as a, okay, guys, so I, it would mean a lot to me if you guys spent some time in the kitchen with me. I have so many stories I want to share. I have so many experiences. I'm going to give you one task to do, or actually I'm going to give you a choice and you guys can pick what ones you want to do. You can pick whatever one you feel you're drawn to, but you know what? I really want us to be in here and doing this together. And the second they kind of go, oh, okay, well, this mean would mean a lot to my mom versus me dictating. Okay, we're going to make dinner tonight. You're going to get the frying pans. You're going to be in charge of setting the table. You're going to grate all the cheese. Give them an option. We don't all, as adults, we don't like doing all the jobs. There's not a chance I'm picking do the dishes out of anything. So I know I have a kid that's not going to want to pick the dishes. I know I have one that is going to want to pick the dishes because he likes everything organized and clean. But then my 11-year-old, she's going to grade cheese every time. The trick is she knows that I'm going to give her one bowl to eat of the cheese and one bowl to grade of the cheese. <laughs> 
And that's the, that's the trick with it. Like, don't make it like when, as a chef in a kitchen, we taste things. I taste everything as I'm making it. I try things. I'm, I'm tasting what that green pepper tastes like. Cause then I need to know to adjust my sauce. I try what that cheese tastes like. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, those taste really great together. Okay. Here's a new idea for the kitchen. So in allowing the kids to explore and, and sample things, and we call it quality control, allowing them to do quality control of those items is where all of a sudden they realize, oh, you know what? I actually kind of really like the way that tastes. You know what? Next time I'm going to put that on my pizza. Next time I'm going to add that to another dish. And you're, you're taking their thoughts and expanding their palate because we've also, we also get stuck in the, I don't like blah, blah, blah. So my rebut to that is your taste buds change every 30 days. You burn them off. They regrow. You scratch them on a surface of a rough piece of food. They regrow completely different. So you can taste it. If you don't like it in the first bite, taste it to the second. And it might be, as long as you're open-minded, it might be, it might be a totally different flavor to you than it was. And that's always the challenge. <laughs> My kids always may actually make fun of me because they know the second someone says, well, I don't like blah, 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 that I'm going to be like, hey, did you know that your taste buds? <laughs> so, and it's one of those things where, uh, uh, like, how many times have you burnt your, your tongue on a coffee? How many times do that? And all of a sudden something tastes different the next time out. So all of a sudden it's not, your taste buds aren't the same. They don't stay the same for 20 years of your life. And I had met this wonderful woman named Susan who started a sentence with, I don't eat vegetables. And we were away at a retreat I was catering and Susan was adamant. She did not eat vegetables. What I didn't tell Susan ahead of time was that we were cooking only vegetables and forms of vegetables. So as I created everything and, and plated it and prepared it in that for her and just showed her um, what the food looked like. So we, we eat with our eyes first. So take out a purple cauliflower and show your child what it looks like. Look at it, admire it. It's beautiful. There's so much joy in looking at fruits and vegetables and things, knowing that where they've come from and how they got there. But instead of just um, storing it all away in the fridge. Like at my house, I keep it all out on the counter things like the, anything that I, if it could be out of a fridge at the grocery store, it can be out of a fridge at your house. So I'll keep a lot of that out. And then I look at it that way and the kids are looking at it like, huh, okay, I'm, I'm going to eat this. So after making vegetables for Susan the whole weekend, I said to her, Susan, like what vegetables don't you like? I like, I'm dying to know you've eaten everything. You've taken photos of your plates. And she said, I have no clue, Kim. I've just always told that story. And I always said it first before I even tasted anything. And now I had, I had no choice but to taste things and try them. And all of a sudden I realized like, oh my gosh, vegetables are delicious. And she said, I feel bad that I have, I have starved myself of all of these potentially great food experiences because of this boundary I've put on and these blinders I've put and this, this self-limiting belief that I threw out there about, I don't do this. I am not the type of person I, and we say that so many times because we're worried about the judgment and the worthiness, but we do it so many times in our kitchens as well around food, around how we're cooking, around how we're preparing all of those things. You know what? A vegetable is not going to hurt you. If you want to try it for the first time, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to try it. There's a million recipes. There's a million ways to do things. You're doing such uh, giving yourself such a gift by get, having that opportunity to expand and teach and, and just share love in a kitchen space by being open-minded to something new. There's just so many incredible bits in what you're saying that I really hope people are picking up upon because I, I'm learning, like even the way you describe looking at a purple cauliflower, 
I will be so honest with you, Kim. I don't look at what I'm cooking. It's slapping it in the, the pan, getting it done, getting this out because I, you know, I worked all day. The kids are hungry. I'm just fulfilling their needs, their, their basic needs. They're hungry. I honestly believe from this conversation, not only will I walk into that space differently, but I see myself putting music on one of my, my goals, my dreams on my dream board when I was a single mom was when I invited somebody else into my life, when that partnership came across my path, I saw, had this vision of dancing in the kitchen and like having flour on my nose, like that. It was this beautiful experience because I hadn't had that experience in my first marriage. And a lot of that just felt really fun and playful. And somehow along the road, because I did achieve that, that was a part, that vision came to life. But somehow along the road, the mundane, I have, it's become a chore versus an experience. And I want to thank you because that changes everything. Even my kids witnessing me having an experience with music and dancing and enjoying that versus it be something that we have to do that even that, that connotation, that I can only imagine what they're witnessing. And I'm just being really open on this podcast. Like I, I can't say that they're like, wow, food is great and food is wonderful. And we love eating. And it's always like, oh, what's now for dinner? Yeah. You're changing lives with your message. And just, well, and because we look, when we look at it and think about that, um, the kids are picking up the negative emotion and it's so much effort for me to have to cook this for you. And why should I, why, you know, why can't you do this yourself? Can you? And there's so much of that, that we create that if you just shift that just, it's literally just a touch on the dial shifted into uh, instead of being a chore or instead of being an obligation, doing something out of joy, knowing that you're filling yourself up as much as you're giving a gift to someone else. Food is a gift. You as a parent are sharing that gift. You would have no problem buying your kid a new pair of running shoes. You would have no problem getting them something for school. So why would you not give them that gift of food and nourishment as easily with as much love as you would wrap a present for them? Well, that's a great question. And that is an eye-opening question. And I know for myself and many included, you have literally, like we said the word lenses, but I believe that they've taken off a pair of lenses and put on a fresh perspective today because that almost feels like a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And in that responsibility, it's not another task or chore or job. It's a get to, it gets to be fun. It gets to be playful. It gets to be something where they're learning about themselves. I mean, as a mom, that feels like an emotional connection now where I look at them with these eyes of curiosity versus oh my goodness, please don't make a mess. Like yeah. that, I, I, I honestly feel like you flipped a switch for me today. And I think one of the, uh, the most fun things to do that can, like I remember one of the first times I was ever tasked with plating a meal. Plate, plate your meal. You know what? Make it, if, even if you're doing family style and you got all the bowls, give them an opportunity to plate it so it looks beautiful and then show each other. Don't just plate the food to shovel it in your mouth as quick as you can. Play it, show each other, show uh, you have an opportunity of having sparking a creative piece inside someone else just by looking at that plate. Because all of a sudden the colors on that plate are now an art project that they're doing in their classroom are now um, a building they're designing for something else. It doesn't just stay in that one space. That direction can grow and grow and grow and has an opportunity to keep growing. And it's so much fun to see each other because there will be people that are not good at it. And you know what? You can say, you know what? 
Like yours is like a two, two out of five for effort. That's what, that's what you're going to get on this one. It's going to taste great, but you're not making it to the big leagues with that kind of plating. And then there'll be other ones that are all of a sudden they'll surprise themselves at how beautiful they can make a plate. And they'll be like, wow, like I did this. There goes the ripple effect of the sense of pride that is created in, I did this. I helped create this meal for my family. I was part of this. And all of a sudden, then you don't have to ask the teenagers to come to the kitchen anymore. The teenagers are coming to the kitchen and they're smelling things and they're noticing things and they want to be part of what is happening in that space. And that's when it becomes, uh, that's when the stories are created and the memories are created. And that level of beauty goes just from more than the plate. That is your soul filling up. That is your heart bursting and they're getting all of that. Mm. And even like, I love this plating idea. I'm taking that and running with it too. But I almost see too, that they they're buy into trying things because you could even say yes. plate the meal and you, everything has to be represented on that plate. It doesn't matter the quantity, but you have to represent every dish on your plate. And we're going to have like a little, I don't want to call it a competition, but just like, what would you call it? Um, if you're doing an art show. Yeah a showcase and we'll, we're going to, yeah, we're going to have an art show today. I, well, especially my, my youngest daughter, she'll be all over that. So thank you. Tell me your favorite meal you've ever had. What was that? I've had a lot of incredible, incredible meals. Oh, so many incredible ones that just do. I would say anyone that I am surrounded with friends, with family, sharing uh, anything. Like I always said, you could come into my home and make, or I could come to your home and make a grilled cheese. And I would be grateful because A, I didn't have to make it. Someone else is making it for me. And sidebar, nobody ever brings food to chefs. That's not a thing for people. They don't ever send us, nobody sends us cookies. (laughs) We worried about being judged. So nobody ever feeds the people who feed people. Right. Um, So it's one of those, any of those moments, like I, I remember sitting down with all of my coworkers and breaking bread after a big event, which we did, we were religious about, we ate together because that was the only way we could experience what our other people were feeling like to eat together. So whether it be with my kids, uh, any family member, just the, the actual act of eating and sharing and, and being part of that with someone else is always the most wonderful meal as far as I'm concerned. Mm. That's true, isn't it? You don't always remember the best tasting meal you've ever had, but you will remember an experience and the way it made you feel. Yes, absolutely. Even if it was uh, like my 11 year old who makes the hands down the best scrambled eggs. She loves making scrambled eggs and she loves sharing how good she is at making scrambled eggs. So I could eat those scrambled eggs any time of day, any of those little moments, because it's, it's being able to share that experience with someone else. And that's the important part of it all. Okay. So you're going to be someone that people are going to seek. I just know it from this conversation and you do like online cooking events. You do catering for those who are local in Ontario. You do, um, beautiful. Well, you're about to launch a beautiful program all about mindfulness, which is really all the things we spoke about today, but a bigger expansive version Mm -hmm. of that. So would you want people to go to chef Kim, the chef Kim on your Instagram for all those things? 
Yeah. And they can reach out for sure. And then as more develops, of course, we'll uh, all add that in. But the, uh, the mindfulness program is a menu of mindfulness and it goes in to those triggers and traumas and those habits and all of those feelings and emotions we carry. Why do we every night go to grab that bag of potato chips and sit on the couch? And there's a, uh, a, a gift you can give yourself to know those things. And I will say you can set yourself up to follow any recipe plan. You can set yourself up to follow any workout plan, but if you still carry all of those traumas around food and how you value what you're putting inside yourself, you're never going to be able to reach the highest goals that you can. You really need to um, heal those wounds before you're able to uh, move forward in a lot of things. Mm. Yeah. Why do I get that bag of chips so often now I've, I've, switch that. But there was a long time. I didn't, I didn't get it. It was just so habitual. It is. Well, and you know, I'll be honest, I'll truth be told. I felt I earned it. That was the story I told myself. I earned this glass of wine and bag of chips. I worked so hard today. I did the floors, got the kids all fed. Everybody's looked after. I, I felt like I had earned that. Meanwhile, I knew subconsciously that that was not nourishing me. I would shame myself and guilt myself and judge myself over it. So it was this like perpetual cycle. And I just had to literally snap myself out of it and and replace it with something else. So I'm so grateful you're teaching that to people because that isn't always obvious. No, it's not. And, and we get so, we hold so tight onto those habits and that story we create around those habits and that, that justification of it, that once you just put something in to disrupt it, well, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. No, that doesn't make sense. It's very easy to disrupt those habits. And it's just minor little shifts that you can make that have a big impact afterwards. Mm, so true. So true. I love that you're doing this in the world. I know across the board, there obviously are exceptions, but across the board, most people are really ready, I believe, to start flipping the mirror and looking in the mirror, especially when it comes to food and things yeah. like that, because the last year has created some poor habits for most of us, yeah. has taken some of the joy out of cooking because you know one meal after another. But after listening to you today, I feel so refreshed. Mm-hmm. I feel so ready to leave this office this evening and create something. It doesn't have to be fancy, but it can be really experiential yeah. and really full of love. And I, I again, I, I was even thinking, about stories. I don't tell stories. I haven't talked about my stories to my kids. So what you've done just for my household in this Mm -hmm. conversation is profound. I'm really excited for you to receive the feedback from other people who are going to listen to this because it's big. Awesome. Awesome. It brings me so much joy to, to share it with people and just to know and change someone's idea of it. And I have had such a journey with all of this and learned so many lessons along the way to get to this point. Um, some of which were beautiful, some of which were not beautiful, but they've all been a really great lesson to get to this. And it always comes back to finding the value in that meal and around that meal and, and that it's not just a piece of food. It is so much more than something that comes out of a box. It's so much more than, than what you're putting on your plates. Mm. So Chef Kim, how are you going to be iconic today? I, uh, well, I think I just was. So (laughs) (laughs) yes, I've never had that answer. That's, that's perfect. (laughs) Yeah. By, by sharing all of this and sharing this, giving people this, this push, giving them this, all of us, this change in perception in, in disrupting their, their plans and thoughts around it and really 
There's no, if you think about it, there is nothing, if you use these tools, there is literally nothing that can go wrong. It is only going to benefit everything so many ways. It's going to benefit how you're eating, how your family's eating, how you view food, how you're nourishing. There's nothing that can go wrong by opening your mind and your heart in a kitchen space and just looking at food in a different way. Hmm. Wow. You are a beautiful human with a beautiful purpose. And I am so grateful to be in relationship with you. I'm so grateful for what you facilitated today because it really is so impactful, Kim. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I'm saying that for the community in which are going to be blessed through this conversation as well. So I appreciate you so much. Wonderful. I love it. I love that. That will just sharing that will only make all those chefs jobs easier down the way. So (laughs) love you, friend. Thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. It really means the world to me. I would be so appreciative if you'd take one minute of your day and give a five-star review and share this on your social media. You can find me on the gram or Facebook. And don't forget our website, becomingiconic.co. Ladies, stand taller today. Roll those shoulders back, chin up, and go out and be iconic.